welcome back. The temperature at the moment is 66 degrees. Now, you might think that's a little bit too cold in some locations. However, it's just about as it should be. Earlier today, it was a little bit windy. And as the leaves were swaying in the movement of the air, I got to thinking, are these winds of change? We've seen this before in so many ways. And actually, the answer to that was yes. In just a few days, California will be reopening, much as most of the country has begun to. And what do I mean by that? Well, the 15th of June is the very last day where many of the restrictions that we've, many living in California have had to hold steadfastly to for so long. And the 15th of June is that marker of time where that is the last day. Many of the emergency powers will be lifted. And at that point, many will begin to think, okay, now what is the next circumstance that we'll be able to do? And in pivoting to the next situation of positivity, one can look to such great possibilities as to what can be done to enjoy what the uh, state of California does offer for many activities. Now, those that have grown up in California and those that often visit California should be reminded that we actually have some wonderful, wonderful places to visit. And if you haven't been recently, if you haven't been in the last two years, you might want to think about some of those great locations to revisit. Who am I talking about and what am I talking about? Well, there's so many, I won't go through each of them, but I'll give you an idea of what they are. Of the hundreds of possibilities that anyone can possibly think of, whether you wanted to go to museums or you wanted to enjoy a nice scenic drive through the coastal highways, or you wanted to enjoy some of the locations that actually do have science academy reflections, such as the San Francisco location of the California Academy of Sciences, or where also in San Francisco they have the Museum of Modern Art, or for example in San Diego where you can get an entire pass that allows you to get a certain percentage off of many of the locations that are offered in that area. One can really look at what the possibilities are. It really is just a matter of finding an area that you really enjoy. There are flex passes in some locations, such as in Los Angeles, and there are explorer passes in San Diego, and there are valley tours in San Francisco of the Silicon Valley, and in Hollywood, one can enjoy such areas as Madame Tussauds or the Hard Rock Cafe. So where does one find all this wonderful information? Well, easily on a website, but before I tell you that detail, let me give you a brief glimpse as to what some of these locations are. Some people have forgotten that we have UNESCO sites in California. What does it mean to have UNESCO sites? Well, they are designated by the United Nations as specific locations. And while some of them are national parks, it's an honor to have them designated by UNESCO as UNESCO sites. But why you want to be aware of how important that is as a designation is if that was a location you wanted to visit, really think of that as a destination as you begin to think, wow, now what am I going to do? I've been just enjoying 
time in these four walls during the COVID-19 pandemic and now it's time to enjoy the outdoors a little bit or it's time to enjoy a tour somewhere or it's time to enjoy a bicycle tour or a bicycle ride along the coastlines. So many of those are possible. Now, I don't work for the tourist board or the visitors association, but I do think it's important that we all just kind of consider how much is out there to really enjoy. Whether it be the Las Vegas three-hour secret food tour or the Santa Barbara surfing lesson or the Solvang food and photo tour or the urban adventure quest three-hour interactive tour in San Diego or the San Francisco for our sightseeing private tour. It's a plethora of possibilities. And think for a moment what this means, not only that you would be able to enjoy something new or something that you haven't enjoyed in a long time, but also that you would be reinvigorating the economies of the locations where you visit. And so, of course, there are the standard attractions, such as the large venues, like Legoland in Carlsbad, California. There are the Lake Tahoe North Shore Kayak or Paddleboard Tours. There are the Sacramento Middle Fork American River Whitewater Rafting enjoyment and again uh, staying on the water idea in Los Angeles there's wakeboarding wake surfing tubing and jet skiing making sure that you keep some practice some skill building before you enter into all of these because they really do involve some very important skills that are necessary before entering into these ventures And as I mentioned, there are so many different tours for different appreciations of enjoyment that if you wanted to find out more, you yourself could go on to the website, which I will give to you in a moment. It is located at www.getyourguide.com forward slash destinations forward slash California. And that is where you would be able to find detailed information as to how to purchase your tour in advance. Some of these locations allow you to purchase them online and then you have your ticket already pre-purchased, making it even more convenient. So from the San Francisco Zoo admission ticket that could be purchased ahead of time, or the San Diego Harbor Cruise, I've given you quite a bit of choices that are a possibility. And you'll have to let me know which one you enjoyed the most. Because truly, you could go anywhere. You could travel anywhere at this point when the full restrictions are lifted. Recognizing that so many people have sacrificed so much over the last year, year and a half, to ensure that we arrive at this moment, everyone who is listening to this conversation, That we arrive at this moment fully recognizing that 
as we move forward into the next chapter of what post-pandemic living means, we find ways to live in a positive manner in a post-pandemic world with an understanding that we just all went through something most difficult that no one had ever gone through before to the level upon which we all went through it. And now, how do we then move forward and build better? And so that's a little bit of what it might be for you as a possibility of enjoying a post-pandemic California. Let me know what you think. And as I end this moment, the temperature is still 66 degrees, slightly cloudy, overcast. Here on the Dewpoint Report, with jazz in the background, on a Sunday afternoon, and Margarita is your host. Have a great day. And welcome back again. If some of you were scratching your head a little bit, asking yourselves, really, those restrictions are going to be lifted and it's going to be possible to travel in different locations and not worry about face mask usage as much as uh, you still all have to for the last year? Well, the restrictions will not be as complex as they used to. Of course, there still will be some requirements when we'll have to understand what those are. And if you know that they apply to you, then you would know they apply to you. If they don't apply to you, then they don't apply to you. That's how specific they'll be. And so it shouldn't confuse anybody. If if they know that they don't apply to them, then they don't apply to them. But the point being is that one of the remarkable things that happened last week was the announcement that President Biden, President Joe Biden, had announced that he was purchasing on behalf of the United States government 500 million vaccines through the COVAX program, which is this program that administers vaccines on an international level. Now, why is that relevant? You may or may not have heard of the COVAX program, but what the understanding of the importance of the program is the ability to get vaccines to countries that may not have had access to them yet at the same level that perhaps other countries have that have been able to purchase them outright themselves. Because they may not be able to afford to purchase them. And so the ability to purchase them and then give them to this program and have the program distribute them accordingly is a very big step forward in um, creating parity, getting close to parity in the area of public health at a global level. And now 500 million may not seem like much, but there already have been 500 million purchased previously or an order placed for 500 million. This next 500 million, which is actually 250 million, but because there are two doses per person, it's going to vaccinate 250 million people. The first set of doses would be in 2021, and the next set of doses, uh, the next 250 million would be in, in 2022. Anticipated. Important, important, important. And it doesn't, it can't go without being said that though the first 500 million had already been purchased, to complete the goal of the second 500 million is critical because that sets the 1 billion mark. 
and that is essential to get these vaccinations extended globally to countries, as I mentioned before, that have not had the level of access to the vaccines as other countries that have been able to purchase them themselves. And so as we talk about how restrictions are being lifted, it is important to still be aware of where as you begin to travel, that you stay very informed as to where you do want to travel to, what the circumstances are as to where you want to travel. Do they have restrictions where you're going? Because although some states, like what I mentioned in the previous segment, California and the reopening that is expected to occur were the last day of being required to wear face masks indoors, is going to be June 15th. Because even though the governor, um, even though the governor had overwritten the federal guidelines through his powers that he has as a governor, those are going away, and they won't apply anymore as of June 16th. And so that's why it's so important to understand that yes, sometimes a lot of these rules seem so complex and layered upon layered, but what has happened over the years is because so many designations have been given to a lot of this uh, allowing either counties to have certain responsibilities themselves or states to make their certain decisions or, for example, in the circumstances of school districts through local control funding for funding to decisions to be made on a local level. When some circumstances or situations come up, a lot of times people question how come certain policies are so different at a local level than they are at a national level. And Sometimes people question the sensibility of the decision-making as to why there would be local controlled funding until they begin to realize that not all states, not all counties, not all school districts have, not all cities, have the same revenue-generating methodologies. Now, they do abide by the same guidelines, but they don't all have the same way of bringing in revenue. For example, a metropolitan city is going to bring in revenue in a much different way than a rural town is going to. And so the the way upon which they approach revenue generating thought processes is much different from one to the other. Now in a general sense, of course, they're going to have the public's interest in mind at all times. They wouldn't run for office if they didn't. But A rural area is going to think much differently than an urban area. And that is essentially what the difference is. And so the significance of the 500 million vaccines being purchased is huge. And particularly for several reasons. The COVAX program, the taking recommendations as to how those funds could be distributed for the appropriate allocation of the vaccines and where they should go, they would take the recommendation, but that doesn't mean that they have to distribute them exactly the way that those recommendations are made. In particular instance is the way that the African Union has retained its ability to distribute the vaccines the way they see best. 
because they understand the way within the African Union what would be the best methodology for distributing the vaccines in coordination and collaboration with the COVAX program. And this is unprecedented. Important to note that because there has been so much collaboration and sharing and understanding of how the vaccine has come together and has maximized its effectiveness. I mean, we all understand the efficacy of it, but I'm talking about the effectiveness of how it was able to be distributed in the places where it has been distributed and where the locations are that have obtained a 70% or greater level of immunization in communities. But to the point that if the locations such as the African Union continue to heed the advice of the countries that have been able to accomplish this great feat, then they will have also been able to garner all of that positive energy and positive information to be able to maximize not just the utilization step away from your computer and sink down into your comfiest chair how about a moment of pure indulgent pleasure pushed a little bit darker silky smooth dove promises dark chocolate now comes in new deeper dark with 72 percent cacao or go even deeper into that rich indulgent darkness with 80 percent cacao deepest dark chocolate dove promises dark chocolate the dark at the end of the tunnel and you've just been listening to one of the commercials that so help keep this podcast alive, which is our advertisers. And it's true. Without our advertisers, we would not be able to stay on the air. And that is an example of just how the COVAX program has continued to provide the program that it does. Because what it has been able to do is do in large part to the many contributions of countries from around the world, not just this donation that the United States is making of the funds that it is providing, but particularly over the years, how it has been able to provide services to countries all over the world that would otherwise go without services so necessary and vital. And so take a moment to think about the global impact that uh, that decision is going to have, not just in the immediate future of so many, but for future generations. And the reason that I point that out in this second segment is because Lessons learned in this particular pandemic, as it really affected the entire world, is that no, we will not go through this again in the same way that we have as a world, because we are going to learn from these most difficult lessons so that we do not walk through the same path that was gravel-ridden. No, it will be a path understood so that if something like this does happen again, because we do understand that there are variants, there are some serious variants out there that have developed. And so there's a complexity about this coronavirus that one cannot ignore or disregard. And so this is why when there's conversation about will there be booster shots? What will happen How going forward? How is the body going to react? And, and this isn't to make people react or be fearful to ever do anything again, but it's to understand how do we then become even better and even smarter and even more adept to this ever-changing environment. I'm not talking about the outside environment. I'm talking about this environment, which is now one which we live in, which is to understand how this 
type of virus, this coronavirus, is cha ever-changing because now the variants are different and bolder, but they're not because of the vaccines. They would have occurred regardless, and we need to be able to understand how then do we become even more intelligent to stay ahead of them so that we do not, as I said, walk that same gravel-ridden path that we did just this last year, but that we ever so smarter develop the type of solutions that need to be developed in order to save as many as possible. people are that have been asking me what am I gonna do now after this is now seemingly a new chapter in everybody's life and I should really not talk about it anymore correct well most of us are not really talking about it uh, for obvious reasons it was quite frightful but for some reason people often ask me what am I gonna do now they seem to think as if though we all have an obligation to ask each other like we need to know what the next person's chapter in life is. And I guess it's out of a sense of responsibility. But I'll tell you this. Every time someone asks me what my pandemic was like, I don't put them through the litany of circumstances or situations. I leave that for my journaling or my digital journal or my written journal, or my photographs that will remind me in the future, or my face masks that I'll scrapbook. 
But when I do have a sense of... We can sum up McDonald's new crispy chicken sandwich in one word. Crispy, but also juicy and tender. Okay, it's crispy, juicy, tender. All one word. But then, also pickle. Oh, and potato bun, which is two words. Okay, we can't sum up our new crispy chicken sandwich in one word. So, you'll just have to try it to understand it. Order ahead on the McDonald's app by participating McDonald's. I don't know about that commercial. Do you really think that potato bun is two words? I think that's up for discussion. Though I think it's quite an interesting conversation that it would be because shouldn't it be hyphenated at minimal? It's kind of like when you say post-pandemic. I've written it as one word as a compound word, and then I've written it hyphenated. But I think it needs to just be hyphenated. A potato bun, as in that commercial previously, it would seem to me that it shouldn't really be one word. Potato bun. Doesn't make sense. Why would they make bread out of potatoes? Why not just enjoy the potato? Isn't it like a confused piece of bread? Because the potato itself is quite delightful. So then if you take the potato and you break it down and turn it into a piece of bread, wouldn't the bread be upset that it has been reconstituted into something that it is not originally intended to be? I don't know. Perhaps I'm thinking a bit too much about that. But then, since it is a digital commercial, I ask the question, how do they spell potato? With an E or without? And if they do consider it one word, are they hyphenating or are they not? Anyway, it sounds like they're very excited about their chicken sandwich. One would have to ask the question, though, is it as scrumptious as the Popeye's chicken sandwich? If one put several chicken sandwiches up for a taste test, such as that if it was like the Chick-fil-A, if it was the Wendy's, if it was the Jack in the Box, if it was the some homemade chicken sandwich, and if it was the McDonald's chicken sandwich, potato bun, which one would be more scrumptious? One would need to ask themselves. But that's a question for another episode, upon which we will answer, perhaps, what people think. And I don't mean to digress, because in my previous convo, I was talking about the importance of when someone asks, what was your pandemic experience like? I think every single person had a different experience. And though there were commonalities to that experience, no two people have the exact same experience. And such is why I'm often taken aback when I get that question. But if I were to ask somebody else, what was your pandemic experience like? I don't think that they would appreciate my asking it because at this point people are so exhausted with the conversation. They just want to begin a new chapter and start anew. But it's so interesting. What does that new chapter in life look like? 
is it truly a fresh start? Because you can't forget the rules and responsibilities. You can't forget that we still have to follow some basic hygiene protocols that have been established. When something has happened that is traumatic, it has left what may not be noticed on the outside, but it is internally remaining forever. It is a type of scar. And yet, it also is a type of understanding of what has been learned through that life lesson. It is what is referred to as a lived experience. Everyone who has lived through this pandemic has shared the lived experience of having gone through said experience. Now, some will want to not talk about it at all anymore, as I said. Others will want to talk about it all the time. And others will only bring it up if asked and very limited. And then there are those that will trickle a story here, trickle a story there, and trickle a story everywhere like breadcrumbs in a forest. And somehow they're weaving a story everywhere they go. And in... 10 years, that entire weaving of the story as the breadcrumbs become a thread of consistency, they will have weaved a sweater, or in some instances, even a blanket of knowledge of what they went through. But few will have sat through the entirety of their experience in that long storytelling. And so why do I remark about this even? Why is it so important? The reason is shared experiences are unique. In some instances, shared experiences belong to very specific groups of people that go through very specific experiences could be a cultural experience, it could be a generational experience, it could be a family experience, or it could be a gender experience, or it could be a very specific trauma experience. But in very rare occasions, it actually envelopes all those things. And what the pandemic did, and it showed so many of us, is that we kind of all had a lot of that in common in very small snippets and for some in very large snippets. And that is why it can be quite perplexing to many that some might think, oh, I have nothing in common with that person. However, they, as much as the person next to them, were at home for a very long period of time, were without work for a very long period of time, were sacrificing many things that they may have enjoyed for a long period of time, were recognizing that perhaps a skill was no longer as valuable as it used to be a long time ago. And yet, decades ago, they would not have had anything in common. But now, there is much more to realize that there's actually something quite similar about them. And there's something very difficult that the brain doesn't know automatically how to wrap itself around because there's a paradigm shift that you have to be able to let go sometimes of some of the old expectations of what should be because of what has been learned before in lessons of past experiences, but because this recent experience that everyone has gone through is so to the depth of what people have experienced, it's really a recalibration of the mind, a recalibration of the spirit, and a recalibration of communities everywhere. But there are, of course, individuals who will not recognize that commonality. 
However, the brain does realize it, and the brain makes connections in manners that、uh, very few people. Realize, but more and more people are becoming attuned to that, and that is why this pandemic has a most unique space in history, a most unique space in our soul, a most unique space in our minds, a most unique space in our neighborhoods. In our counties, in our states, in our country, and in our world, we have realized that we are much more than ourselves. Within the self that we had defined ourselves as, just over a year ago. And because of that, we cannot go back to a meager understanding of who we once were. If we pretended that nothing happened and we just went on about our business every day and ignored everything about what happened in two thousand nineteen, two thousand twenty, and then began anew all of a sudden next week, the remnants of what Has happened would stand before us every single day. In a memory, in a transaction, in an experience, through someone else's conversation, through someone else's experience, through someone else's transaction, and that is why we can't ignore what has occurred. Our ability to process through our mind, our spirit, and our soul. What has occurred over the last year is essential in our ability to heal and move forward into the post-pandemic existence that we need to have. Because otherwise, there will be a lot of pretending like nothing ever happened, and just can move along, move along, and keep going about it like nothing ever occurred. But then, when the next situation occurs, the impossible possibility of people trying to pretend that they had no idea this was going to happen <laughs> will befall people, and it will not be possible for people to say. They had no idea this was going to happen because we are far too advanced as humans to pretend that we didn't know any better, and that is what makes the difference between what was and what is, what will be. Thanks for listening. And welcome back. I decided to add a bonus segment to this episode, and this particular bonus is an archive which will remain for future generations to understand part of the psychology of what occurred with the usage of the face mask. The reason is most of us are tired of. Being reminded of putting on a face mask because we have been using one for at least a year now. But the truth of the situation or the circumstance is that it's okay to be exhausted, but it's not okay to be upset at others when they may have very specific reasons by which they are not wearing them. And the other reason to not fret over the situation is it's kind of like worrying about someone who doesn't wear matching socks. 
from time to time I decide to just wear the socks that I find in the drawer the fastest. And sometimes they're matching and sometimes they're not. Now, that doesn't make me any less a person for wearing a pair of non-matching socks. But on the day that I wear matching socks, again, I'm no less a person and no more a person. So, why would anyone take it upon themselves to judge me for whether I wore matching socks or not? Other than the social norms that have been determined over the years and over the generations about what it means to wear socks. And albeit, I don't always have to wear socks, but it does depend on the shoes. But my point is, why then the concern? Why the concern over what somebody else looks like or doesn't look like on any particular day? And so, the reason that this bonus segment is being entered into this episode is because, after all, we are talking about our post-pandemic world as it is going to appear to us within our existence upon which where we exist. Having said that, I remark about this being an archive because this is an example of some of the messaging that occurred for elementary students on how they could wear their masks. But truly, it applies to anyone. The reason that this is specific to elementary students, and you will note in the tempo of the music, and you will note in the instruction of the placement of the mask, and you will also note in the, well, you'll hear it, there's a whimsical interlude in the middle of the messaging, which draws the attention to the children so that they could um, be reminded that, yes, this is very important to learn, but levity is also important. And so the the sigh that you hear, the exclamation that you hear, is a young person surprised by the information. And they exclaim in jubilee. So... Listen in for a moment and think about how you yourself now can look back at the very early days of what it was to wear a face mask. What it meant to be told suddenly that your world, my world, our world, everyone's world would be a little different if but for a moment to and toward the betterment of the entirety of society. And so I reaffirm, worry not, worry not, worry not. About looking back at those moments in frustration. Because think about this. As you listen to this audio, You are listening to it and pondering back to a moment that you have survived. And that in and of itself is a thing of glory.
face mask is worn to prevent the coronavirus. It begins looping the elastic over one ear, covering your face over your nose, your mouth, and your chin, and then looping the other ear. And that is how the face mask is worn in order to 